Welcome back to the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast. If you have been hanging around the preserving, freezer cooking, stocking your pantry world over on YouTube, you have definitely heard of Becky from Acre Homestead. She does these amazing freezer day cooking videos she does where she will preserve so much food that she gets for a good deal. If you love content like that, where somebody is taking something that they either got for a good deal or grew themselves or they're starting a homestead, uh, Becky is your person. She has all of that kind of content. And today I get the privilege to interview her here on the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast. We had some question boxes over on, well, so now we're doing this on two places because a lot of you said that you don't have Instagram, but you want to be a part of submitting questions for the guests. And we've been doing that exclusively through my Farmhouse on Boone Instagram, which backing up really quick, if you are brand new to this podcast, I do find that sometimes I just take for granted that everybody just knows that what my Instagram is, which you don't because my podcast is called Simple Farmhouse Life. So you may not know that I actually have an Instagram, YouTube channel and blog called Farmhouse on Boone. So I normally go by the name Farmhouse on Boone. This podcast just happens to be called Simple Farmhouse Life. So we have been putting a question box over on my Farmhouse on Boone Instagram for the guests so that you can weigh in and give your opinion on what we should talk about. Or if you have a burning question for a certain guest that I'm going to have, you can participate. But a lot of you are intentionally not keeping Instagram. And I'm actually with you most of the time. I have the Instagram app on my phone like once every 10 days or so just to check in. But I'm with you. I don't like to constantly be scrolling and I feel that constant pull with my phone. So anyways, we also have the Simple Farmhouse Life YouTube channel where we put all of these podcast episodes and we have started putting in the community tab the question boxes. So if you get on YouTube and you see like a static post pop up, that's the community tab. And so you very likely, if you get on YouTube and you follow this channel, if you follow Simple Farmhouse Life on YouTube, you'll see that community post because a lot of times YouTube kind of prioritizes those. And so when you get on YouTube, you might see it, in which case you can submit your questions there as well. We had a lot of listener questions for Becky because she is so popular over on YouTube. So we're going to get into some of those and talk about freezer cooking, stocking the pantry, sourcing, preserving. Let's dive into the interview. My name is Lisa, mother of seven and creator of the blog and YouTube channel Farmhouse on Boone. Join me as I share with you my love for creating a handmade home from scratch cooking and a little mom and entrepreneur life along the way. All right. Well, thank you so much, Becky, for joining me. I'm so excited to have you on here. And I know a lot of listeners probably already know you. They love it whenever they recognize two different people that they know coming together. Like that's just very exciting. Awesome. So it's great to have you. For those who don't, if you could just introduce yourself, tell us about your YouTube channel, your blog, and what you focus on. Well, my name is Becky, and my YouTube channel focuses a lot around food, cooking, growing and sourcing local whenever possible and preserving food. So I try to have it be come full circle. So from the garden into the kitchen, preserving it and then how to use it throughout the year. And I don't grow everything myself. And so I try to source stuff from local farmers whenever possible. And my website is just where I post all my recipes and 
that kind of encompasses my YouTube channel. So I kind of think of it as like a food YouTube channel. Yes, yes. And I'm sure you get this question a lot, but were you raised this way or is this something that you're trying to figure out as an adult, something that you've seen some value in? And so you're trying to figure out how to do this. And then, of course, you're inspiring lots of others to do the same. My parents always had a tiny little garden. We lived in the suburbs in Portland, Oregon, and my parents would try to grow a few things here and there, but there was a lot of big trees, so it was hard just because of shade and stuff, but they tried their best. And so it wasn't that I grew up like growing a big garden necessarily, but my mom was always a really good cook and she cooked a lot for us. And so there was always that love of like cooking, but then I was homeschooled. So I had a lot of time on my hands. And when me and my friends would get bored, we would just cook and bake. And one of the things we like to do is try to mm-hmm. push our cooking abilities and, you know, like try maybe making pasta from scratch or try making caramels. Or when we would get bored, we would just open recipes, books. And my my parents never had any rules around the kitchen, whether we were allowed to be in there. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to just be super creative. And so that's kind of where my love of cooking and just kind of like pushing my culinary skills. And then when I became an adult, I read a couple books about growing food and buying local, and it kind of was just a natural progression, um, the love of cooking and then the love of wanting to then source from people who grow it and get the best quality and then wanting to then grow it myself. Yeah, you sound a lot like how my kids are now. They're actually – they're in the house doing that because I, I stepped out here to do the podcast. And so yeah. they're like, can we bake? I'm like, go ahead. That's something you can work on while I'm out here. Yeah, it's it makes for a lot of time to learn and explore. So I'm glad to see that that turns into something valuable later because, yeah, this is something that uh, we're just kind of experimenting with now. We're first-generation homeschoolers. So oh, awesome. good to see. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So we can start by talking a little bit about gardening because it's that time of year, but then also mostly I want to go into freezer meals and batch cooking, stocking the pantry. That's something that you really seem to specialize in and people love to see it from you. So first of all, what do you have started right now? Are you, do you have seedlings going or yeah, what do you got going? I do. I've got peppers and cabbage, cauliflower, tomatoes, a bunch of different flowers. And after we're done here, I'm actually going to go out there. I need to up pot some things and I need to start, um, I'm going to start my zinnias and a bunch of herbs, basil and stuff like that after we get done. So pretty excited about that. Yeah. It's so exciting. I just started my seedlings and I'm like, yes, I cannot wait till it's warm outside. (laughs) I can't wait to be out there. Yeah, we just had our first 60-degree day and it was nice. Oh, I don't know what area of the country you're in. Are you – where are you? Are you close to where you grew up? Yep, I'm in the Portland metro area. I actually live in Washington, but okay. just across the river, Washington State. Okay, cool. Yeah, we've been going back and forth. So we had a very mild winter and then March seems to be like appropriately March, which is the most winter we've had, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> but that's okay. It's definitely going to come to an end. Okay, so I have a whole list of questions that people sent in that they want to hear from you. We'll go into that. I have a few just things that we could talk about. So first of all, what is your favorite go-to fast food meal to cook? Or do you have a little repertoire of those? Or how do you make it to where whenever life gets really busy, I know you just had a baby, being able to pull something together that's fast but yet from scratch? 
Um, that's one reason why I rely on like freezer meals because then I can just pull something out and throw it in the oven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do a lot of like when I really don't have much bandwidth to think about anything. I do a lot of like hashes where I just chop up some potatoes and cook some whatever meat I have thawed and vegetables, throw it all in, brown it up really nicely, top some cheese and hot sauce. And that's kind of when I have like no bandwidth to think. Yeah. That's a good one. Let's just go into freezer meals a little bit. Now, is this something that you do regularly or is it something that you do to prepare for a particularly upcoming busy season? Or are you always doing a freezer meal day? And if so, is that something that you get done, say, like one time a month or once a week? Or how does it look for you? So typically, I do it about every three months or so. And I do always like to keep prepared meals in the freezer. It started out of necessity because I was working full time and I then started my YouTube channel and we had no, we, I had just lost my job due to 2020 and the craziness. I was a dental hygienist before I was a full-time YouTuber and I didn't, we had very limited resources. And so, you know, we were normal. We would fall into the trap of if I was tired, you know, getting takeout on the way home and we didn't have the resources to do that. And working two full-time jobs, I had to figure out a way to be able to have dinner on our table that was home cooked really regularly and not have to think about it or take the time because it was a big thing. It wasn't, it was the time that I needed back. And so that's how it got started. And then I just realized how convenient it is to always have food just prepared that's scratch made. Mm -hmm. And we eat out, you know, but we try to be a little bit more intentional about it. And we try to go to places that not like as many fast food places and where it, you know, it might be a little bit more expensive because you're paying um, a smaller business to run a restaurant. And so we try to be pretty intentional about that. And so just having meals ready to go, then on the times I don't want to cook or I don't have time to cook or just don't want to make the kitchen messy, then I can just, you know, pull something out of the freezer and pop it in the oven. Yeah. So what does planning for that look like? How does that whole process work? I have done freezer meals to where I felt like it actually saved me time, but then I've also done ones that were way too complicated. I'm like, I think I actually just wasted more time doing this. So I'm sure with the amount of freezer cooking that you've done and batch cooking, you figured out a system to where this obviously pays off in time. You end up, you know, reclaiming some time. What does the prep work look like for that to be possible? What I try to do is find recipes that have a lot of the same ingredients in them so that like right now I'm trying to think of a, I haven't done one since before the baby was born. So it's been about three months and my freezer's getting a little bit empty. So I'm trying to think through doing another freezer cooking day and I try to find recipes that have a lot of the same components or ingredients. So for example, I'm going to be making some freezer pies, but I'm also going to be making quiche. So I can just make a big batch of dough and I can have that dough for a couple different recipes. Or an example would be making shepherd's pie and chicken pot pie. They almost, Mm -hmm. you know, they have celery, onions, and carrots. And I'm going to chop all the celery, onions, and carrots for both those dishes at one time. It doesn't take that much more to chop, you know, four carrots instead of just two carrots. Mm -hmm, And so then I can just chop them all at once and then allocate them to where they need to go. But I'm not, I'm trying to think of things where I can, I'm not getting a bunch of random ingredients out for one thing and then a bunch of different ingredients out for another recipe, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I can see how by thinking about that in the planning, you could end up actually spending a lot less time whenever you're actually putting these together. And what about storage? That's something that I've struggled with is figuring out what kind of container to put them in, whether it's a Ziploc bag that's really flat or something foil. So that way, whenever I actually go to use it, it's not really inconvenient. I've struggled with that where I pull this bag out. I'm like, okay, now I have this. It's supposed to fit into this. Like wh how, what are your tips for that? So I typically freeze if it's like a lasagna or a shepherd's pie, something where I want it in a nine by 13, I always freeze it in that dish. And I found these really cool nine by 13s that now have lids that snap. And so I'm not dealing with wrapping them in two layers of foil and then saran wrap to help keep the freezer burn off. I just freeze it in the container that I'm then going to put it directly into the oven with. Okay. And then when it comes to something that you might like want to put in the crock pot that you would then first put in a Ziploc bag. If you can get it to freeze in the shape of whatever that item is, then that's good. Mm -hmm. I don't do a lot of that. The only things that I really put in, in Ziploc bags are marinates. And so that like five meat that's marinating, I usually have it thaw first before I cook my meat. I don't usually put anything frozen directly into a crock pot. I just don't use a lot of crock pots. So usually if it's chicken marinade or pork or whatever, it goes and thaws and then I go to cook it. So I don't really have to worry about what the shape of it is. Right. Yeah. That's important. So do you just own like 30 glass containers or what <laughs> kind of nine by 13 are you using? Um, yeah, they're nine by 13 glass containers and I have like 12 of them. So yeah, I do have a lot of them and okay. they, I, I justified the price because those foil pans have gotten so expensive and you really only have to yeah. use them two or three times and they've paid for themselves. And then I'm not wasting a ton of foil right. and saran wrap. And so I think if if it's something that you think you're going to do, and I didn't go out and buy 12 of them all at one time. I kind of accumulated them. I first bought Pyrex dishes at Goodwill, just yeah. nine by 13s. But then I wanted to invest in the ones with lids that had the specific snap lids. And so you don't have to go out and necessarily yeah. buy all of them at one time you know, especially if it's something you're new to doing freezer cooking, you don't even know if you're going to like it. Going to Goodwill and getting a couple, it's pretty easy to quickly pay for itself when those foil pans have gotten so expensive. Oh, yeah, I could totally see that paying off. That's always been my biggest issue is figuring out, okay, what all am I going to store this in? Like I can make all this food and then I need to figure out something like you said, it's going to not let in the freezer burn something that isn't going to be super wasteful, but also fits in properly. And so it sounds like your solution are the snaplets. Where do you find those? So the best place there, so actually it was a viewer that sent me my first one and they are the, the they're at Q, QVC is where you buy them. Oh, interesting. They have a different brand on Amazon, but they're a little bit smaller. So it's QVC. I've never bought anything until then on QVC, but it was a it was yeah. a viewer that sent me one and they're really awesome. Yeah, I'm tempted. Do they stack up really nicely so that you can like if you're getting in between freezer cooking days, do they stack up nice so that they fit somewhere sort mm -hmm. of you know, small or do they or do you put them down in the basement or how are you storing them in between time? Nope. They stack up nicely. They are just in my pantry up in my kitchen. And yeah, they, I actually like them better than a nine, like the Pyrex because they have more of a straight side, uh, like what you would think of for a foil pan as right. opposed to the Pyrex are kind of like 
a little scooped. Um, so they do stack yeah. up really nicely. Okay. We'll have to get that link from you and leave it down in the show notes or the description box so that people can check that out. Because I think that's probably the biggest issue people have with freezer cooking. What are some other commonly asked questions that I'm forgetting about with freezer cooking that I'm sure because of what you do on YouTube, you get the same questions over and over again. So what are they? What am I missing here? Um, people ask a lot, how long do they last? And I, my goal is to eat them. So I'm not trying to keep them in my freezer for super, super long time. So I try to go through them between three months. Sometimes if you've like marinate chicken, you know, that could go like six months in a Ziploc bag. I, my goal is not to stock my freezer and then not use it. My goal is to like rotate it. So usually right. I try not to have them in there longer than about three months. And that's usually about how long it takes me to get through them. When I make the freezer meals, it's not, that's not all we eat. Those are just supplemental. So if right. I make 20 Supplement, meals, yeah. then um, that usually does last me because the last time I did it was when I was 39 weeks pregnant. And so it's been about three mm -hmm. months since I've done it and we're getting a little bit low. So people ask, what can you freeze? And a good way to get inspired by what meals you can freeze would be just to walk down the freezer section of your grocery store and you can Ooh, see- that's a good tip. You can freeze a lot of things and anything that's in the freezer section are things that you can, you know, do at home and freeze. Yeah. Have you experimented much with freeze drying those meals? I've, I know you freeze dry and I freeze, I've done freeze drying with a lot of things. And it says you should do this with meatloaf and you should do this with lasagna. And there's that part of my brain that's still so skeptical, even though they say it will work. Have you tried that? I have not because I, okay. I just, I don't know if it'll work. I should probably try it, but no, I've not yeah. tried it. I I'm, I do a lot of freeze drying like ingredients. I haven't exactly to the realm of. I mean, I guess I freeze dried broth. I think you could probably freeze dry soups a little bit easier, probably than or like chili or something like that. But the idea of freeze drying a lasagna, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I know they say it will work. I'm like, I don't think they'd say it if it wasn't true. It's just so hard to wrap yeah. your brain around that coming back, you know, to what it was before. Exactly. But I need to do it. You and I both need to I do know. it because this is part of our job, right? Like to show this. <laughs> I know. I, I think like sauces, sauces would probably do pretty well, like spaghetti sauce mm -hmm. or, or something like that. But yeah, I need to ask I Jay Morrill. I bet you she's done it. I think she has. I think she's done soups and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. I want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about the episode sponsor, Tubes & Co., I have talked about Tubes & Co. here on this podcast for a while, and that is because I genuinely love the products. Tubes & Co. is a small, family-run company, and it's made right here in the USA. I love it when I find small companies like that that I can feel really good about supporting, but then also that have products I don't feel like I'm compromising on. Like, okay, I'm buying this to support this company, but I'd really rather buy the drugstore stuff. Not the case at all in the case of Tubes & Co. They are an organic skincare company that uses quality ingredients like grass-fed tallow, nothing artificial or bad. You can be confident whenever you look through the ingredient list that it's all stuff that you would not mind putting on your skin. Your skin's the largest organ in your body and things that go on it can actually absorb in. I've been recommending these to everybody. Actually, just the other day, my mom texted me and my sister and said, hey, I'm putting a tubes order and anybody need anything? because we all love their makeup so much. Now I've loved their tallow balm 
all winter, I keep it in a very prominent place in my house. Well, just right in the bathroom where I walk by it nonstop. So I can put it on my face often on a day where I'm not wearing makeup. I'll try to put it on three or four times so that way I keep my skin hydrated in these winter months. And I love how it absorbs in unlike a lot of natural products. But the makeup, we love it. I have their liquid foundation. I have this eyebrow thing that's two-sided, so it makes it really easy to groom everything, their mascara. Really, I love every makeup product that I've tried by them. I have the, the highlighter, the concealer. I don't wear makeup every single day, but I do like to have a nice collection for podcasts and videos and, you know, going out with my husband. Tubes & Co. is offering Simple Farmhouse Life listeners 10% off your order by using the code FARMHOUSE. So visit tubesandco.com and use the code FARMHOUSE. Okay, so some more specific freezer meal questions I have before we'll move on to pantry stuff is, okay, somebody asks me, do sourdough recipes freeze well and can you freeze raw milk? I don't know if you've experimented with that or what you have to say about that. I don't do sourdough. So I've tried a couple times and it's just, I can't keep that sourdough starter alive. So I would not be the one to ask for sourdough, but I have heard that people do just like any yeah. other bread. Um, I have, for, when I make sandwich bread, um, what I like to do is slice it first and then stick it in the freezer. And I'm sure you could okay. do that, but you probably would be more of someone to ask when it comes to sourdough yeah. related questions. Well, I mean, and it's, it would be the same, like... I would I don't do a ton of freezer stuff. I mostly make everything as I go, but my my thoughts with a lot of it is that at the dough stage, like if I were making like cinnamon rolls, mm. I would want to freeze it before baking. But then like you're saying you mm. take sandwich bread, slice it and freeze it. That would it wouldn't matter whether that was a yeast loaf or a sourdough loaf. It would be the same process. So, I'm assuming yeah. that would be like the same thing you do with sourdough. Oh, and then raw milk was the other question. Yeah. I have never tried to freeze raw milk. I freeze regular store-bought milk all the time, but I don't have a milk cow or anything. We used to be able to ha get raw milk really easily, but we I would always just go through it. I would pick it up once a week, so I never froze it, so I'm not sure about that one. But you can freeze store-bought milk. I do that all the time. Yeah, you can do it with raw milk too, and I've even freeze-dried raw milk as well. So I think it probably just the, the tips come to in what capacity? Like, are you putting it in plastic? Are you putting it in glass and just not filling it as high? Or how are you doing mm. the, the store-bought milk? I just stick it in the freezer. Just whatever container it comes. Okay. If I find milk on sale, or it's just my husband and I. And so I usually buy the milk at Costco because it's the best price I can get organic milk at. And there's two half-gallon containers in there. And so I just stick those directly in the freezer because okay. we can't go through that before it would go bad. Mm -hmm. And then to thaw it, I just stick it on the counter and let it thaw on the counter overnight. And it's still like half frozen. And then I stick it in the refrigerator in the morning. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty straightforward. It takes a long time to thaw. Milk takes... Yeah. I could see yeah. that. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the pantry. This is... Uh, I think stocking the pantry okay. and making sure that you have plenty without waste so that you have, you can always throw a meal together. That is something that I think you get used to over time, but a lot of times 
newer homemakers or people who haven't really done much cooking struggle with figuring out how to stock the pantry with from scratch ingredients and not have things go bad. So first of all, what are your staples? Um, our staples are rice, beans, tomato sauce, cheese. I guess that's not necessarily a pantry item, but that is something that... But yeah, that, still like stock up stuff. Yeah. yeah, stuff that I like to keep on hand. Butter, flour, oats, eggs, chocolate chips. Oh, yeah. Do you have a source? What are your What are your favorite chocolate chips? I don't feel like I've found like the ones yet. <laughs> um, the, I haven't bought chocolate chips in like two years because they've been... I bought like... Azure had one of those discount bargain things and I got like a whole huge box. Okay. And they're really good. But my favorite just like tasting chocolate chips are Ghirardelli's chocolate chip, but they, okay, you know, well, yes, have, yes, they're not like good. the cleanest chocolate chip. Um, yeah. But I like the milk chocolate because they're like the big chocolate chips, the Ghirardelli's milk chocolate mm -hmm. chocolate chips. But I just have a big, I think it was like 10 pounds or something that I purchased from Azure because like the box was dented or something. So I just keep them in the freezer. Yeah. But what else I store? I do have a list. Like I like butter, sugar, brown sugar. I always have pasta on hand. I always have my chicken and beef in the freezer yeah. and sausage in the freezer. Okay. So what are some of your tips for making sure that nothing goes to waste? Or how do you rotate or stay on top of your inventory? Um, I'm not perfect at it. I'm trying to get better. One thing that I I just finished a pantry challenge and one thing that I'm moving forward going to do is I'm trying to pare back actually like what, how did all the things that I'm storing just so that it's less to manage. Cause I think I was, I wanted all the different things. Mm -hmm. And I think that when it comes to like bulk buying, I want just the items that I know I use all the time. So that's one thing that moving forward, I'm going to do is just have, um, instead of like 25 different spices that I store in bulk, I'm going to just have the 12 that I use on a daily basis. And then if I do need, you know, some random spice that I do buy it in a small container, so I'm wasting less. Or when it comes to like, I buy the majority of all my meat from local farmers. I used to, when I would get my, this is something you just learn over time by ordering through a butcher um, multiple times and realizing what you use and what you don't use is next time I order a whole hog, I'm only going to ask for bacon and Italian and breakfast sausage. And I'm not going to ask for all the other cuts because I don't, I don't buy those at the grocery store. And so they sit in my freezer for a long time and then they, you know, their freshness gets bad. And so through that pantry challenge, that's what I realized to help keep things from going bad is only purchase, even if you're buying it from a local farmer, just purchase what you already or ask the butcher to make what you already buy at the grocery store. So like look at your grocery list and see those items. And then that's what you need to store. Just because someone else stores lentils and you haven't eaten lentils in two years doesn't mean you should store lentils yeah. or rice <laughs> or beans or whatever it is. So I think that that just storing items that you already purchase. Yeah, that sounds like such obvious advice, but it actually needs to be said because I I just came to that realization in the last year or so with the butcher thing. I've been ordering whole or half uh, cow from my sister for a really long time. She started doing pork. Mm. And we never really had good access to farm fresh pork. So pork wasn't something we ate a whole lot of. But now that she is raising these Berkshire pigs, non-GMO, organic, all of this, we're, of course, buying from her. 
And the first two times I submitted mm -hmm. my cut order, I just was kind of like, you know, whatever's normal. Yeah, that's great with the pork chops, this and that. And then now I'm at this point where yep. after ordering two different hogs, I have like three more hams sitting in the fridge or the freezer because yeah. we went through a couple hams, but I don't enjoy it. Like the amount that once you thaw yeah. out a ham <laughs> that we have to make of ham and beans and make the soup and split pea soup, I just, we don't like that much ham. But sausage. And yeah. so my sister and I, we had the same conversation. Yeah. Next time, only sausage. And it's not that I don't like ham and I don't like pork chops. I just don't need them in any significant quantity whatsoever. And so I'm yeah. I'm still like getting this, like I am cooking through my freezer right now and I'm not enjoying it. So I'm like, I have to get rid of all this stuff before I order more. But yeah. I don't want another pork shoulder. I know, I know I should. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> like technically I should I want a huge thing of pulled pork, which is what I have going in my oven right now. But I don't want any more pulled pork, you know? I just want the sausage. So, yeah. It took me like five years to realize that. I don't know why, but... Me too. It took me forever. And the pork <laughs> chops. And I had this aha moment and I was like, okay, I don't need... You're right. Like, I, I just made a pork shoulder too last week and we ate it. It was good. It was fine. But honestly, I would have rather had chicken over that. And I would really rather had sausage over that. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, yeah, so we're just going to yes. do sausage and bacon, and yep. that's it, the whole thing. Because we do enjoy sausage, <laughs> and we do enjoy bacon. Well, what I like about sausage is I like having some fast-thawing things on hand. Because like you, I try to always have my thawed-out meat. But for those in-a-pinch moments, I need a freezer full of things that I can just throw in some hot water and then break it up and cook into a little skillet dinner, like you were saying, with some cheese on top. I need yeah. lots of access to that. And I find that whenever I'm cooking through a whole pig, I, because of my lack of planning, but it is what it is because this just continues to happen. So we better just embrace it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I always end up with the big cuts at the end and a, a way too yeah. many of them, which shows you yeah. that I need more sausage and ground beef from the, from the, when I order a side of beef. Yeah. And I think too, like you said, it's aspirational to want to cook the lentils or whatever it is that you think other people are making or this beautiful pork shoulder and have this barbecue dinner. But really, do what will work for your family. And if you're the person who forgets to lay out the meat in the fridge three or four days in advance because that's what you need for this you know, massive pork mm -hmm. shoulder or ham, then just get what will work. And it's great to know that you can order from a local farm and you can have the butcher do that. You don't have to get the cuts that everybody else gets. You can have it all for a cow, uh, you know, ground into beef, even if, or ground beef, even if it's mm -hmm. a beautiful roast. I know people are angry about this. It's okay if you want to make that ground beef. It'll just be more delicious ground beef. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> all right. I want to take a break to tell you about today's podcast sponsor, Carly Jean Los Angeles. Carly Jean Los Angeles is an LA-based company that was started by a mom of four named Carly. It's a capsule wardrobe company. So if you find it difficult to look presentable every day, this is something that I started years ago, assembling together an outfit where pieces mix and match and work for a lot of different occasions. Actually, right now I'm wearing one of my favorite tanks by Carly Jean. It's under my apron, it's covered with flour. But I find that the pieces, they make it to where when I get dressed in the morning, it's very straightforward because they all look nice, they all mix and match, and they work with me in all seasons of life. So right now I'm currently 26 weeks pregnant, 
and I have certain pieces, of course, that don't work, but then I have several that still transition into that time. This tank, my other favorite black dress, I wore a dress on Easter Sunday by Carly Jean. They all flowed perfectly for this current season of life that I'm in. The pieces are meant to be classic and timeless and to be worn over and over again, not just this one-time trendy thing that you wear and then it goes out of your closet. So I even have things I'm pulling back out of my bins that are underneath my bed to use for the spring and summer that I stashed away, but they will work again this upcoming season. Stocking your closet with basic pieces that you can use year after year, this obviously takes a ton of time out of curating capsules, which makes it really straightforward, really easy to swap between the seasons and look nice on minimal effort. So that is a win in my book. I'm a very busy mom. I don't have a ton of time to be looking through different clothing brands and assembling collections and making sure that my pieces are going to endure and not just be something that I get rid of really quickly. That's all important to me, but not something I have a whole lot of time to source. So I'm thankful for that. Carly Jean's Basics are made right here in the US. So if that's something that you love supporting, supporting a small US owned company, then you're going to love Carly Jean. Carly Jean is offering Simple Farmhouse Life listeners a 20% off coupons off your entire order, but it's a one-time use by using the code farmhouse20. So you can head to carlyjeanlosangeles.com Use the code farmhouse20. We'll also have it linked down in the show notes in the description box. If you're brand new to Carly Jean and you want to check that out. I also personally use the app, which I really like because it makes the shopping experience really easy. It saves my orders when I'm logged in. And so I also like using the app, but you can just go to carlyjeanlosangeles.com. Use the code farmhouse20. Again, thanks Carly Jean for sponsoring today's podcast episode. Okay. So with food sourcing, you've mentioned Azure, you've mentioned Costco, do you are you really strategic? I'm I'm personally, I'll just share my quick experience. I have a whole bunch of places I love. And I kind of just go with whatever is convenient in that moment, whether it's okay, today I can just get to Aldi and yeah, they have some things that I love and they have some things that I'd rather get that cheese from Azure, but I'll just get it all there. What is your strategy for that? And what are where do you find yourself going the most often? Um, I shop at a lot of places like you. We don't have Aldi here. We have a grocery store. I think it's probably the okay. most equivalent would be – it's called Winco. And they they don't have okay. their own line of things like Aldi does, but they – it's not as curated as like a Kroger or something like that. So instead of, you know, them displaying the broccoli in a, you know, nicely, okay. they just cut the box open and then you can get your broccoli from the box. Yeah. Um, like Aldi. Yeah. yeah. And so I shop there. I don't, I don't buy my produce really through Azure. I do buy most of my dried organic goods from them just because I can get a bigger quantity than I can at Costco. And I hate running out of stuff. That's actually why I got into bulk buying is because like when we mm -hmm. would, my mom growing up was so good about keeping, you know, butter, flour, oats, vanilla, salt, mm -hmm. all the things you needed to like make a recipe. And so some of my other friends' parents weren't as good about that. And, you know, we would get halfway through a recipe and then we'd realize we were missing, you know, a key ingredient and it like drove me crazy. Yeah. And so that's where like the whole bulk buying started for me. And so um, that's why I like Azure because I can get a 50-pound bag of flour or a 50-pound bag of oats relatively affordably through them. But right. I 
do buy, like if I want fresh produce, I do buy most of that at Winco right now because it's affordable and it's not as big of a quantity as Costco. Like if I buy cucumber, I don't need three cucumbers. My husband and I can't go through that at Costco before it goes bad. And so I'll buy that at Winco. And I do tend to go, when I go grocery shopping, I usually go to Costco and Winco on the same day just because okay. I can't get everything at, you know, there's, I like to buy my cheese at Costco if I don't buy it through Azure because it's more affordable mm -hmm. at Costco than it is at my grocery store. So I am one that, but I only go grocery shopping typically about once a month for like a okay. big grocery shopping. And then I'll do, you know, a small fill-in, you know, if I want cilantro or green onions or whatever, then I usually do like a small trip and then I'll just go to one store. And usually that's wherever it's convenient. Yeah. Pretty, pretty similar to what I do. I, I like to order from Azure more often, but like this, this next time, whenever I looked at the date, whenever it would be coming in that week, I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's going to work. And so it's hard with Azure because you do have to know that you're going to be available like most of that week. And so we're definitely going to be getting in on the April order for sure, because I have a lot of stuff I need. And if you play it all right, you don't have to order every single month. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm getting with Azure. I think my goal is to order a little bit more and only do it every quarter or so, just so that mm -hmm. I'm not um, at the mercy of the time change or whatever it might be. And then I can I can yeah. source a lot of the other stuff at my local grocery stores. Yeah. And there's such benefits to ordering from them that I tr I do try to make it work every couple months or so. But there are times whenever it's fallen on a certain day and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, no. But yeah. it's good to have a friend that's doing it, too. So that way you can just say, OK, oh, I yeah. can pick up your order or you can pick up mine. We'll just make sure to always sort of order together. So that's a good strategy. OK, on your YouTube channel, you do tons of preserving. Mm -hmm. What are some of your favorite methods? Are you doing canning, freezing, fermenting, freeze drying? What are your favorites? Like I see you have a massive... It looks like you're doing tons of onions. Um, what? Yeah. How did you do that? <laughs> so what I'm really trying to learn, especially now that I have a freeze dryer, is not – I don't have a favorite food preservation method across the board. It depends on what we're talking about. Um, mm -hmm. I I don't – we Josh and I, we don't like canned vegetables. I don't buy them. I've never bought them. And so I don't can corn or green beans, um, even though that's like really common and most people can those things. I don't can them. I like frozen green beans. So mm -hmm. um, same, yeah. But I love canned broth and I liked canned beans and I liked canned tomato products. And so what I'm trying to I, – I need to probably sit down and really think this through a little bit better, but really figure out what – and have a more – I don't know, not necessarily written, but have like, these are the items I like frozen. These are the items I like canned. And just because I like it that way doesn't necessarily mean someone else will. I know that some people, their favorite is, you know, canned green beans. They like that really soft texture and they don't like the texture of rehydrating or cooking frozen green beans. And I think that's just figuring out for each individual person, figuring out what works best for you. And I think then mm -hmm. going back to what do you buy at the grocery store do you buy frozen corn or canned corn? And then figuring out that, you know, that's the way I'm probably going to like it better because I've definitely preserved stuff in ways just because I see people do that online and yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, that's not our favorite. And that's okay that that's not our favorite. Um, like I just freeze dried um, onions 
love freeze-dried onions, love freeze-dried onion powder, but I freeze-dried celery and I don't like it. The way the, okay. the when it reconstituted, it was kind of rubbery and so just I mean, and you don't know that until you try it. Freeze-dried herbs right. is fantastic. It's way better than dehydrated herbs. So I guess I don't have like, you know, this is the best method because I don't think there is a best method. It's just figuring out what's best for what you like. Yeah. And if you have more freezer space, that's good. If you have more pantry space, probably canning. So there are a lot yeah. of factors. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point too, for sure. But if you preserve something in a way that you don't like it, then you're not going to eat it. <laughs> and then it's going to be a waste of your time yeah. and money. So it comes back to the same thing yeah. we were talking about with all the meat. I know that yeah. it seems obvious. And it comes back to two. I talk about this a lot on this show planting in your garden the things you're going to like. Mm -hmm. How many gardeners your first year you plant kohlrabi and eggplant and you don't yep. really necessarily like those things? Yeah. Beets for me, that was, I've planted beets three years in a row. I don't like beets. I need to stop planting beets. <laughs> Just don't <laughs> like them. But it takes time to like figure that out. Like, uh -huh. you know, it, it says, you know, you can plant beets now and I'm excited I can plant beets. So I'm going to plant them and then yeah, it's time. the chickens get them. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I always plant too many cucumbers. I don't I, I mean if I if they're once I can pickle, that's one thing. But if I plant just like the bigger cucumbers, you know that you they're really good in cucumber salsa and they're really good to make cucumber water. That's great, but I only need to make so much of that before we're just yeah. done with it. Yeah. I'm the same. One cucumber plant for me and that is plenty for cucumbers for mm -hmm. us. Yeah, same, same. Okay, I want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about our home-based business. This isn't something I talk about a lot, but I get a lot of people who say they want to hear more about the entrepreneurial side of what is behind the podcast, Simple Farmhouse Life, my blog, my YouTube channel, and all the components of the business that brought my husband home from his job almost five years ago. Now, the first thing that I started with my business was my blog. And still to this day, when people ask me, where I would start, where I would put my attention if I was starting over now. And the favorite aspect of my business, I always respond with blogging. There's a misconception out there that blogging is dead. And I find that interesting that we think the best place to put our efforts are some of the, the most popular places where everyone is doing that when there really is a almost like the best kept secret over in the blogging space it is far from dead and my favorite way to earn an income because I've built something there and it's only been in the last few years that I've realized just how beautiful it is to have built something that is so passive when everything else feels like a content treadmill there is something that I've built that I now have in my blogging business now there are things that i would have done completely differently if i was starting from scratch today things that would get me to success and earn an income that i definitely did not know in the beginning i made lots of mistakes i created a one hour masterclass where i talk about these things some of the common misconceptions about blogging and earning an income with blogging and some of the things that I would most certainly change to get my blog monetized a lot faster. You can find that information and that masterclass over at bit.ly forward slash farmhouse blogging school. Whether you are simply curious, like how do you even make money on a blog or you've been thinking about it for a while, but you need some guidance. 
That is a great place to start. My free one hour masterclass is packed full of information. Again, you can get that at bit.ly forward slash farmhouse blogging school. Okay, I have a few questions about homesteading. So why did you become a homesteader? And what's the one thing that you wish you knew before you started doing a lot of the stuff that you do? I think I it just comes back to I wanted to get as close to my food source as possible because I really like to eat and I really like to eat good food. And mm-hmm. for me, it's all about like the the best quality food just because it tastes good because I like to eat. And so it wasn't like a prepper mindset or anything like that. It was just wanting to get as close to my food source as possible because it tastes the best. And so, and then there's all these other benefits, you know, it's good for the environment and it's better for our health and all these other things, but that's where it came. Like, that's where it started for me. And I think maybe the thing I want, maybe what I wish I would have known is that it's okay for it to take time to learn the different skills. Um, and it's okay not to do everything. So I, I'm a homesteader, mm-hmm. but yeah. I will probably never mm-hmm. grow my own pork, beef, or have dairy animals just because that doesn't fit into our lifestyle. And so I'm okay purchasing those things from local farmers whenever possible. And so I think that, you know, we can see like it seems like people can do everything and no one can really do everything. And so just figuring out what works best and being okay with that and enjoying that. Yep. And what, again, what works for you and works for your family, that's, that's super important. And there's, there's definitely ways that you can do it. It doesn't require you to do all of it. Now, someone asks, would you rather be in your kitchen or your garden? Oh, that's a good question. Um, (laughs) It's easy. So easy for me, but I know a lot of people love both or maybe don't like one as much um probably be in my garden that's probably okay but both I I it really just depends and that's one cool thing about like how it's seasonal is that usually by the time garden season is over I'm done with it and I'm like oh good I get to put it to bed yeah and then like right now I'm like itching to get Mm -hmm. out there and so, yeah, I guess it depends on what time of year you ask me. Like right now, I'm like, I get me into the garden, garden. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then is. if you asked me in se- early September, I would be like, okay, I'm ready to just be in the kitchen for the rest of the, you know? Yeah. That's funny. That's a great question. That is a good one. I, mine is so kitchen. I, I like the garden in small doses. It's just very, it feels like summer when I'm out there and I'm growing stuff, but I if I had to give up either cooking and baking from scratch or gardening, it would not even be remotely a question which one I would choose. Because <laughs> I know how to source stuff. I'm like I yeah I can true. find yeah. yeah all the things that I need to. I can find raw milk. I we did not live on a homestead. Uh, I mean we've only lived here four years. We've had a dairy cow for two. And I've been drinking raw milk for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So I've found how to source meat. We don't grow, we never have done our own meat yet. So we don't, we've never done that, but yet I've always eaten local meat. Mm-hmm. I know how to source local vegetables and preserve them. I know how to source milk. And so I could, I can get that done, you know, yeah. if you're, if you're intentional about looking for it. Yeah, that's a good point. But nonetheless, I think a lot of people just genuinely love to garden. I wish I loved it more, honestly, than I do. That's all right. I still like it. I like being outside and I it's a good excuse to have to be outside. That's true. Yeah. 
I guess I don't. <laughs> I wish I liked it better than, <laughs> than I do. Um, I love the idea of it, but everything that I love to do is inside. And so I, I spend probably way too much time inside. But I mean, there'll be a garden going in the summer and I have my seedling started and I'm excited about it. So it is exciting times. Um, I think I've gotten through a lot of the questions that other people wanted to know from you. I am just curious because a lot of a lot of my listeners have either blogs or YouTube channels or a podcast or want to start something like that. I just want to ask you just a, like a couple questions yeah. about that. So one is what do you wish you would have known before you started your blog? And what do you wish you would have known before starting your YouTube channel? Well, my, I started my YouTube channel first. I wish I would have known that it was, you can make a full-time income when I first started. Cause I didn't really know that. I, I knew that okay. in the fact that I, I had been People a consumer did, but... of YouTube for a long time before it even crossed my mind, but I've been into like the canning and cooking and from scratch and like being into some of those kind of more niche things for a long time. And so I've always thought that maybe a blog or something, but I'm not really a writer and then I had been a consumer of YouTube mm -hmm. because I wanted to like learn more skills. And I had watched a couple people, you know, be able to make it a full-time career. And a lot of these people have families too. And I'm like, okay, so if, if they can support their family, then, you know, there's, you can make a full-time living and income off of it. But you hear a lot of creators say there's not very much money in it. Like that's all I ever heard. I feel like people, when they talked about blogging or YouTubing, I would just hear the people that talked about like the, the money side of it that you couldn't, that you just didn't make very much money. And I was like, no, I think you can make a living off of it. Cause I've seen people do that and support families. And, and so I just kind of dived in blindly. Yeah. Cause I was a dental hygienist and I, I, with the 2020 and all the things like dental changed a lot. And it was something that I really didn't want to do full-time anymore just because it was medical, you know, I don't yeah. know. It was just a lot. Yeah. I was already getting kind of bored of it. Um, and so I was actually thinking about becoming a realtor because I was like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> and so. Yeah. Like on the um, side. And then, yeah. And then I just dove in full-time or like, I just randomly was like, I had was starting my seedlings and I had regretted that I didn't document my first year's garden. I was going into my second year's garden. I had regretted not documenting it because I didn't have anything to like look back on other than a few pictures here and there. I didn't like take notes or anything. So I was like, I think I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm just going to see what happens. And mm -hmm. so that's what I did. And so if anyone's like interested and like wants to start a YouTube channel or um, a blog, just know like, yes, you can like make a full-time living from it, but it does take a lot of work and it takes a long time before you will even see a dollar or a penny. Yeah. And so don't give up if it's something you want to do, I guess. But there is, you can make a full-time living. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what I wish I would have known. Yeah. That's something I see a lot is people giving up too soon, you know, like it, it's like, you're probably almost there, but then just right before you start to see some of these efforts paying off is when it's just, you know, a lot of times people tend to yeah. quit. So keep going if you're listening and you want to do it because, I mean, it was, I think, six months before I saw a penny and that's a lot of full-time work mm -hmm. to work. Yeah. And, but it does come back. So that effort isn't lost. Yeah. Once it starts rolling, then those efforts are, and you need that to make it work. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So you treated yours very seriously from the start. Like you went full blown in on videos. Yep. I decided to, I committed to myself to do three to four videos a week and I haven't, I haven't stopped since then. And um, my blog, that's the next big step for me. My blog, Josh threw it, my husband's a computer programmer and he threw it together in like a day. I was like, you okay. need it. You need to get something where I can store my recipes. Uh -huh. And so it was a stop gap. So he put it together and then he went back to school full time and then we moved and then we had a baby. And so my website has taken a back seat. And so he actually probably in the next like month or so, we're going to be launching a new one that's going to be super functional and beautiful. And I'm really looking forward to that. But that's kind of like where my focus is right now is to Get build that, that side. Yeah. Well, awesome. That is really exciting. And you really took off so fast. Like you're very new on the scene, but yet <laughs> it's, it's really resonated with a lot of people, I think, because of the moment in time we're in to what a perfectly positioned niche to get into whenever the food security is, you know, can be an issue and people figuring out everybody's wanting to cook from scratch now. You know, this is this is something that I think we come full circle whenever we've gone so far from that. We a lot of times swing back and that's where people are. And then I find your channel to be very relatable. Nothing's too perfect. Like everything has to be homegrown and organic. Whereas, you know, you're just kind of doing the parts you can take control of and working really hard. But then certain parts you're like, you know what, we're just not, we're not going to do that. And I think people find that very encouraging and relatable. So tell everybody where they can find you, where best to follow along with all that you have going on. Um, YouTube is probably the number one. Um, I do have Instagram. The, both of the YouTube and Instagram are Acre Homestead. And my recipes are on scratchpantry.com. So, yeah, YouTube is probably awesome. the, the um, yeah, Instagram. Yeah, definitely I, YouTube. That's yeah, definitely <laughs> YouTube. Um, Instagram is more just kind of behind the scenes, like day to day. It's just pictures yeah. and little updates and stuff like that. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's about it though. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your wisdom with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I've watched you for a long time. You were one of the people I used to consume a lot of <laughs> before I decided to start my own channel. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the next episode of the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast.